what is up guys welcome back to the zoot sensor show uh and uh <laughs> this is uh the one and only show where we talk about all things movies comic books video games and all that good stuff um and this is going to be a pretty interesting show uh it's just me today <laughs> again but uh we we got a pretty interesting show we're gonna talk about some oscar nominations then we're gonna talk about the a Morbius trailer that gave us a really, really interesting connection to some other comic book movies. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about Colin Trevorrow's Episode Nine script and whether or not it was better than The Rise of Skywalker. And then we're going to take your Q&A questions uh, later on and I will let you know how to send in those questions uh, when, that time, when that segment comes. So let's not waste any time and start off with the first topic today, and that is this. Um, the Oscar nominations came out, and Joker got 11 nominations. Um, Joker holds the record for the most nominations for a comic book movie. Last year, of course, Black Panther made history by being the first comic book movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And this year, we got another comic book movie being nominated for that same uh, prestigious award. Now, now we did get other movies that were nominated for Best Picture. Um, let me go ahead and uh, Google search those. Actually, I'm Google. I'm. <laughs> I am right now gonna try and do my research as fast as I can, but. First of all, let me let me just talk about Joker getting an Oscar nomination. It is awesome. Um, because last year, as you guys know, I was not happy with the fact that Black Panther um, got a... Um, that Black Panther got um, a Best Picture nomination. I wasn't happy with that. Um, I, thought it, I thought, you know, there... It just, to me, made no sense to me. Um... But, you know, what can you do? You know, what, do, what do I know? I'm just the guy who thought Spider-Verse should have gotten Best Picture, but whatever. <laughs> so, um, I'm pulling up the nominations list. It's taken a bit of, of quite a bit. But, but Joker getting the nomination is fantastic. Um, I, th I thought the movie was great. It's like my number, it was like my number three favorite film of last year. Uh, I had... Uh, marriage, uh, fighting with my family. Number five, marriage story. Number four, Joker. At number three, Knives Out. At number two, and um, uh, what was it? Uh, the the Jojo Rabbit. At number one, I don't know why I forgot the name of it. But it is very very interesting now. So we got uh, some other nominations, but my my internet's just being too slow right now. Um, but you know, I really wanted to pose this question. You know, so I remember I was talking with a friend of mine when Joker got eleven nominations, and I was like, 
what does this mean for the comic book genre? Like, are the Academy members finally recognizing that comic book movies can be something great? Because I, I, in 2008, uh, The Dark Knight, everyone thought was the best film of that year. I mean, to me, it was, I think it is the best movie of that year. But it never, it didn't get a nomination for Red's Picture. It got Heath Ledger a nomination and a win for Best Supporting Actor. Um, but it did not win for Best, uh, for, it did not get nominated for Best Picture. And a lot of people were upset about that. Um, you know, I, and I, if I, if I was actually watching the Oscars at that time, I would have been upset because I think The Dark Knight is a fantastic, um, a fantastic movie. Um, and I'm just glad that the Oscars is finally recognizing that these movies are more than just guys wearing capes, you know, that they can, that they can bring interesting themes and different, uh, um, and different things to the table. So, um, so yeah, I think this changes the comic book genre completely. Um, I do want to talk about some snubs, a few snubs that I think, um, are worthy. First of all, Knives Out not getting nominated for Best Picture, I think, is an absolute shame. I thought Knives Out deserved a Best Picture nomination. Um, again, it was my second favorite movie of the year. Um, I thought Alan Silvestri should have gotten nominated for uh, Best Score. And look, I, and this is coming from someone who really liked John Williams' score from Rise of Skywalker. If I had to take one person out, I'm taking John Williams out for Alan Silvestri because I think Alan Silvestri did more, was his score was more impactful to me, whereas John Williams, John Williams' score in The Rise of Skywalker only had really two themes that I was like, oh my gosh, yes, you know, um, but um, but yeah, I would go with uh, Alan Silvestri is another snub. Lupita Nyong'o not getting nominated for us is also a crime like how does she not get a nomination for that because when you think about what Lupita Nyong'o had to do she had to not only play a scared mother on the on the normal human side but she also had to play this monster you know she had to do both roles at the same time and how does she not get nominated is beyond me um uh, Aquafina for the farewell. Um, considering that she won the Golden Globe, I thought she would get a nomination uh, for Best Actress, but she didn't even make the cut. Um, and then Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, I think is a huge snub. I've been calling it. I I've been calling that he was going to get nominated um, since I saw that movie, and I didn't really like Rocket Man, but I loved his performance in the movie. And uh, yeah, I would I would. I'd say that was uh I'd say that was one of the one of the biggest snubs. Um but yeah. Um those are kind of the five I'm gonna mention. Alright, we were on that topic for about seven minutes, so <laughs> let's move on to the next topic and the next topic is this. This week we got our first look at the new Sony Spider Verse movie Morbius. Um with Jared Leto playing Michael Morbius. Uh, Morbius the Living Vampire, and I love this trailer, guys. I loved it. Um, I love the tone they're going for. I loved the music 
The choice of music was awesome. Um, and I love the look of the Morbius the Living Vampire. I love the look. I think it looks freaky and it looks terrifying. And I'm like, wow. Like, I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to see that. But then we got some great, we got a great little cameo at the end of the trailer, which I, part of me wishes they hadn't showed it, but then a part of me is like, yes, they confirmed it. Um, Michael Keaton as the Vulture shows up in this trailer. And that, a lot of people when Venom came out was like, no, nah, Venom's not connected with, with the Marvel movie. It's not connected at all. But in all reality... Um, Sony, and I've just heard this from other news outlets, but Sony had filmed a post-credit scene for Tom Holland as Spider-Man in Venom, but they they cut it out of the movie because uh, Marvel, at the request of Marvel, because you know Tom Holland was kind of dead when Venom came out. <laughs> Tom Holland's character was kind of you know erased from humanity when Venom came out, um, but it's, you know, um, and so they, they didn't really, they couldn't really confirm it at that time, but now it looks like they are confirming, no, Tom Holland's universe, um, is connected to the Sony Spider-Verse, and that actually makes me kind of happy, because it gives me hope that Spider-Man could live outside the MCU, you know, now again, this movie could be complete garbage, like, this movie could be, like, the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of movies, but I don't really have a problem with it, because I, look, I, I like, I, I, I dig it, you know, it's a really, um, interesting choice, and, uh, yeah, so, um, but, uh, the question I, I, I gave, I started asking myself is, does this give me any interest in the idea of Spider-Man outside the MCU? And I think it does. Um, I really do. Um, I think, because I think after Spider-Man 3, and then after the one MCU movie he's going to be in, I think they're, they are trying to find a way to write Spider-Man out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, because, you know, because of the whole thing with Sony and Disney last year, um, it was a complete disaster, and I don't think they'd want to go through that again. And plus, I mean, Sony has gotten their gotten their thing together, you know. Whether you liked Venom or not, and I didn't really like Venom. I didn't like Venom, but the movie made almost a billion dollars. was close to hitting a billion dollars. Like, and Morbius has the potential to be a box office hit. Spider-Man Far From Home made a billion dollars. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, Spider-Man Far From Home was a Marvel movie. No, 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 no. That's where you are wrong. Sony is the one that produces the Spider-Man movies. Marvel has creative, um, has some creative control over what happens in those movies. But, you know... Marvel isn't financing those Spider-Man movies. It is Sony who is paying for those movies, and um, and yeah, so Sony is is, and plus 
Sony's making great Spider-Man movies without... I mean, just look at Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'm like that... That movie... That movie is so great. It's one of the greatest comic movies of all time. And they did it without Marvel's help. So, I have faith that Sony can do great Spider-Man movies without Marvel's... Um, without Marvel's help. I, I do. Alright. Let's move on to the last movie news topic. And it's this. Colin Trevorrow's episode 9 script has leaked online. Um, I did get the chance to read it. Well, I didn't get the chance to read it, but I did get the chance to um, hear what it was going to be. I I read like a little description. Um, I want to name a couple of these things. First of all, the title was going to be completely different. The title was... The Duel of the Fates, um, which, by the way, I love that title. That title sounds so freaking cool. Plus, I mean, come on, I mean, it's it kind of sounds like uh, they're gonna be they would be using Duel of the Fates the the score. Um, I want to read this opening crawl though too. Uh, the Iron Grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Uh, treacherous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Um, and one of the interesting things about it that I like is I like the fact that Rose is actually a bit a a more important role plays a more important role in this movie than she did in Rise of Skywalker. Because one of my biggest things with Rise of Skywalker was J.J., instead of expanding on the character and giving her more to do so that the fans could like the character, J.J. pretty much said, nah, let's push her off to the side and just focus on Finn, Poe, and uh, Rey. Which, don't get me wrong, I liked Rey and I liked Finn, but I hated the fact that they just kind of pushed Rose off to the side because... Honestly, I thought Rose had the potential to be a great character. Even whether or not you liked what they did with her in The Last Jedi, that's completely up to you. But honestly, I would have rather have seen her have play a bigger role in this movie than um, than she did in Rise of Skywalker. Um, basically, they sneak onto this um, uh, the Star Destroyer and they uh, they steal it. Um, Ray is disguised as a Tusken Raider and reveals her weapon to be a, a hybrid. Like she takes her staff and turns it into a double-bladed lightsaber. Um, which, by the way, I was hoping we would see that. I was really hoping that we would see Ray turn her staff into a double-bladed lightsaber because I thought that would have been cool. Um, uh, Knights of Ren played a better, a bigger part. In fact. Um, <laughs> In fact, there's a scene where one of them ends up killing an admiral for his failure uh, for the opening mission. Um, and, oh, Hux is the chancellor. And Hux actually is collecting, like, these ancient Jedi artifacts, including a purple lightsaber. Because he's, he's fascinated by, um, well, he's not really fascinated by the Jedi. He's more interested in the Sith. So he's collecting these ancient Sith artifacts. And, like, at the end of the movie, I mean, I guess this is spoilers for the script, but at the end of the movie, 
um, when all when the when the first order loses, uh, uh, General Hux uses the purple lightsaber and you know commits suicide at the end. And it was, um, I'm like, you know, I honestly what they do with Hux in this script is way better than the way they used him in any of the movies. Like not just from, not just in Rise of Skywalker, but in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I was not a fan of the character. Um, we meet Kylo Ren on Mustafar. Uh, he he's being haunted by a uh, by Luke's Force ghost. Um, he finds a Sith holocron, and uh, it is revealed that Palpatine wanted Vader to take Luke to Remna to the Remnicor system to see Tor Valum, who was Palpatine's other master. Um, let's see. The holocron explodes and like burns Kylo Ren's face. Kylo Ren ends up having to use this uh, Mandalorian armor to put it on his face, um, which sounds awesome. Um, Ray, Ray's kind of trying to reject the whole notion of the Jedi thing. She's kind of turning into Luke, what Luke was in um, in the Last Jedi, where she's kind of rejecting that notion of the Jedi. Um, which is interesting. Um, and then, you know, we, the, the mission is split into two parts. Um, Rose, Finn, R2, and 3PO go to Coruscant to light this, um, thing called the Force Beacon, um, which can send a signal throughout the galaxy. Um, and basically they're going to try and find, um, find reinforcements to take down the First Order. And then Team B's mission, which is Ray, Poe, and Chewbacca, are going to a planet to find someone who can help Ray figure out what she needs to do. Um, Kylo Ren, before he leaves to the Remnicor system, he uh, he takes Vader's mask and he says, "You allowed love to cloud your judgment," and he throws Vader's mask off a balcony and it shatters, um, which sounds so so great. Um, and uh, let me see. Um, they do keep this idea that Ray is a nobody. Ray is still a nobody in this script. Um, there's no Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine only shows up in one scene, and that's when Kylo finds the recording um, in the Sith holocron. Um, Kylo goes to Remnicor, confronts Tor Valum. Uh, he begins his training, and then there's a scene where. Um, Kylo fights, it's, it's a vision, but Kylo fights Vader and, uh, he loses, which is great because, you know, Kylo, I don't care how great of a character Kylo Ren is, um, Vader would easily beat him in a fight. Um, Poe takes, um, Rey to this, uh, seer who can pull information out of memory. The seer pulls a star chart out of Rey's mind from her visions with Kylo. And then Knights of Ren show up. There's a big fight. Uh, she defeats them all. And then uh, they they leave that planet. Um, skipping down a little forward. Um, Ray and Kylo get to Mortis. Um, and they're battling on Mortis. Which, if you don't know what Mortis is, um, Mortis is a reference to um, a little bit of something from Clone Wars. I'm not going to get too deep into it because this will be like a two-hour show. Where I'm just explaining what Mortis is. Um, but 
But uh, yeah, uh, they, they're battling on Mortis using force energy that they can pull from each other. Um, at some point, it is revealed that... Um, uh, oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, did I mistake that? Okay. Um, at some point, it is revealed that um, Kylo killed Rey's parents at the behest of Snoke. So not only were Rey's parents nobody, but we get the biggest reveal of all time, which is Kylo who... Kylo killed Ray's parents um and then towards the end of the fight Luke Obi-Wan Yoda appear as a force ghost to save Ben but are unsuccessful um and Ben Solo dies as a bad guy he goes down as the bad guy um uh and uh we do get a reveal of who of what Ray's um Ray's family name is um in call in the okay her last name was solana ray solana or solana Solana? yeah uh okay uh, Ray Solana was her last name, um, and uh, and then you know Ray Ray during her fight with Kylo Ray got blinded, so she's a blind Jedi just like Kanan was in the show Star Wars Rebels, and then um, yeah she uh, she ends up at the end of the movie she ends up training a new generation of Jedi. We see Broom Kid in there, so uh, sounds pretty cool and sounds like a great ending to not just the um sequel trilogy but to the skywalker saga as a whole and i gotta say one of the questions i have here is it better than the rise of skywalker absolutely i read this script and i hated the rise of skywalker even more because the potential because this is so great now it is a first draft the, there were going to be a few changes, um, but if they had stuck with this story, this sounds great. I mean, this sounds amazing, and I would love to see to go to an alternate reality where this is the episode nine that we got. Um, and honestly, a lot of uh, and I got the and someone asked me this question, and I'm gonna bring it up here. Uh, would Trevorrow's movie have been the best film? Would Trevorrow's movie have been the best film in this Disney Star Wars era? I think I think so, because not only is it completely inside baseball, but it also feels more like a conclusive finality. If it there, it feels like there's more at stake in this movie than there was in the Rise of Skywalker. You know, because um, in Rise of Skywalker. There's not really much at stake. At least I didn't feel that way. When I was watching the movie, I'm like, okay, so so is there anybody who's going to, any important characters going to die? Like, is Poe going to die? Nope, they just stay alive at the end. And they do at this, at the end of this movie, they, they still stay alive at the end. But for me, I would have rather have seen um, a moment, you know, I would have rather have seen moments where, yes, Rey is a nobody. And she literally comes from nowhere, you know? And, or I would have loved to have seen everyone's reaction 
when it's revealed that Kylo Ren killed Rey's parents. That would have been awesome. You know, I definitely would have been that guy in the theater that went, what the F? Because that's just, that would be a great moment. It would be an amazing, amazing moment. So, um, honestly, overall, I love this movie. I love this script way more than I did The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and it just makes me sad that Lucasfilm did just didn't stick with Colin Trevorrow because that's the other thing. Colin Trevorrow, even though he directed a billion-dollar film with Jurassic World, um, Lucas. It seems weird that Lucasfilm still didn't trust him. It's just weird to me because, listen. I get it. This is Star Wars, and Lucasfilm does have creative control over the movies. But you let the filmmaker do what he want, do what he wants to do. Colin Trevorrow is a great storyteller. With movies like Safety Not Guaranteed and Book of Henry, he's a fantastic storyteller, and he's a fantastic um, director when it comes to character development. You know, even with um, even with uh, Jurassic World, the first one, I should say, the first one. He's really good at, at introducing these characters and making you care somewhat about about some of them, like you know Chris Pratt and um, and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. He's he's able to make you care about those characters, and even the kids in Jurassic World, you you care about those kids too, you know. So it's like, why won't you let that guy just do his thing? Let him do his thing, but unless you are a James Cameron or a Steven Spielberg. They're not gonna. They're gonna say no to you, and they're gonna get involved with your work. You know, any new director that tries to go into these movies, they're, they're screwed because they're just gonna get involved because oh, you're not Steven Spielberg, you're not James Cameron, you're not that, you're not an experienced filmmaker. So, I don't know. Uh, okay, so, um. All in all, I love Colin Trevorrow's episode 9 script. And honestly, it is the movie we should have gotten. Um, so, there that is. Alright, let's move on to the Q&A questions. Now, how do you guys send in the Q&A questions? Well, very simple. You guys send them in through, you guys can send them in through uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or you can send them in through Patreon, uh, and all that sorts of good stuff. Uh, YouTube comment section, anywhere, in any place Anywhere and any time you can send in a question. But first, let me take a drink because, you know, my throat is getting a little dry. Okay, that's better. Alright, let's move on to the Q&A questions. And the first one is, what is the weather going to be like this week, JK? Um, what do you think of the new war movie? <laughs> well, thanks for the question. Um, by the way, that first part of the question is that's an inside joke um, that I won't get into right now. Um, I'll save that for you know, in the immortal words of Maz Kanata from Force Awakens, another story for another time. Um, but the new war movie, uh, uh, 1917, I think he's referring to 1917. Um, I, I still haven't seen it yet. I really do want to watch it. Um, I heard it's techno. It, technically, it looks beautiful. Visually, it looks beautiful. Uh, it looks like the movie's shot with um, one continuous shot. 
um uh, and um yeah i'm i'm interested especially since it got nominated for best picture i'm very interested in it um favorite steven spielberg movie uh oh man that's tough oh man that's so tough um You know, I would say, um, wow, it's hard to choose. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Schindler's List is one of my favorites of his. It's so disturbing and it's so like uncomfortable that I can't watch it again. But I do love that. I do. I still really do love that movie. Um. But you know what? If I had to pick one movie of Steven Spielberg that I think is a masterpiece, um, for me, I'm I'm gonna say Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. I love that movie. I really love that movie. And that movie is another movie where it is all character. Um, the great thing about that movie is that, you know, there's no you know dinosaur for the first half of that movie. There's no dinosaurs that show up. Like maybe in, except in one scene, where you see where you hear John Hammond go, you know, welcome to Jurassic Park, bah, 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 bah. you know. But that's the only scene where you see dinosaurs in uh, within the first half, and then the second half, that's when the dinosaurs get all crazy and it it becomes this fun adventure movie. But that movie, for the most part, is all character, and um, I think I would say Jurassic Park is probably my favorite. Um, but Jaws also comes in at a close second because Jaws is another movie where you don't really get to see the shark that much and it's all character um, and it's brilliant. And sorry, but the difference between Jaws and Godzilla is that at least Jaws gave us characters that I cared about. Godzilla, the 2014 one, I, I didn't care about any of the characters, um, which is why I was like, why doesn't Godzilla show up in, in the movie? So anyway. Um, but I won't rehash that argument. Um, if Robert is listening to this podcast, um, he's get, he's getting really mad at me right now. Um, since the Oscar nominations came out this week, what are some of the biggest snubs in Oscar history? Um, the Dark Knight, not getting nominated for Best Picture. Um, let me see. Wow. Um. Sean Astin not getting nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actor in Lord of the Rings Return of the King uh, is another one. Uh, I also think the Lego movie not being nominated for Best Animated Film was one that should have been... Honestly, it should have won that year, but whatever. It didn't even get nominated. Um, Inside Out not getting nominated for Best Picture. Uh, just, Yeah. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse not getting nominated for Best Picture. Because that movie's a masterpiece. I don't care what anybody says. So those are some. Those are a few. Um, favorite action movie. Oh, that's easy. Um, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Like, how could that not be your favorite action movie of all time? Like, like, and yeah, The Mummy 1999. It's a great, like, to me, the, 19, the, the, the Mummy, the 1999 Mummy movie is a great a classic adventure story. Um, um, it's a classic event. It feels like a classic adventure. It feels like the Indiana Jones movie. Um, 
But Terminator is a complete action movie all the way through. Just fast-paced action. Um, just taking place on the streets of L.A. And it's just, oh, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like, Terminator 2, I still tend to this day, is one of my, is some of, is, like, in my top 15 favorite movies of all time. Like, I love that movie. Um, which do you think is better, Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super? Uh, Dragon Ball Z. I really like Super. I really like Super. But, um, I, to me, Dragon Ball Super had three, uh, had three arcs that I found more interesting, and that was the Battle, uh, the Battle of Gods arc, the, the first season of Super, the first saga, and then the Goku Black saga is also, is also, like, the second bat, well, honestly, the Goku Black saga is the best of the entire show, but, um, but then there's also uh, the, the Tournament of Power is also really great. Um, and I didn't really... But overall, there was just a lot of episodes that I just was like, eh, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, there's, there was filler episodes, but none of the filler episodes were as interesting as they thought it was. Like, there was one where Goku lost his, um, his power, like, where Goku's instant transmission was all messed up. That episode was pretty good. Um, but other than that, I wasn't really, yeah. Dragon Ball Super was okay. Uh, and the final question is, thoughts on the OG original, uh, thoughts on the OG Wizard of Oz? Um, I love the Wizard of Oz. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, the, I, th- I still think it, honestly, it still holds up. Like, for a movie that came out in the 30s, it's one of those movies that just, it still holds up. Um, and, uh, that movie was so, that movie still this day really great and Judy Garland singing somewhere over the rainbow is just oh that movie eh, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it <laughs> but I do like the Wizard of Oz I love it a lot um again one of my like top 15 favorite movies of all time so yeah, that is all right guys well 34 minutes and we've gotten through a lot in this show uh thank you for listening thank you for joining me on this episode of the Zeke Setso Show. Um, I am definitely going to be coming back next week for a new show. Uh, and yeah, that's um, that's all I got. So thank you guys so much for listening. And if you guys like this podcast, uh, make sure you subscribe to it and listen. Um, and uh, I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.